Hi everyone, it's Jamie. I just want to share with you that my new book, Toxic Relationship Recovery, is available now. This book is for anyone who is healing after a harmful relationship, but it's also for people that are looking to identify toxic traits, toxic behaviors, and toxic strategies that get used upon people every single day. The second half of the book teaches you strategies to heal your inner voice and find your authentic self after experiencing this type of harm. I'm looking forward to you all reading it and hearing your feedback from it. It's available today. Find Toxic Relationship Recovery wherever you buy books. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are, and exploring who we are becoming. Yay! Hello. We are here. We're doing a special episode because we're celebrating the greatest thing ever. What are we? Want to know what we're celebrating? <laughs> Want to know what we're celebrating? Dear listeners, my best friend right here, Miss Jamie Mailer, is officially a published author. Woo! Cue left. Or cue clapping track. I wonder if our producer could like insert. Cue laughing. Oh <laughs> no, not laugh. I'm so used to saying the phrase laugh track. A clap track. Yay. Um. No, but seriously, laugh this is her. a huge Everyone deal. Laugh at <laughs> Stop. We shall applaud. Applause. Um. I. Yeah. This is real. This okay, is real. <laughs> Take a moment to just like breathe oh, it in. I love you. Yes. I am breathing it in. I am very intimidated by this next chapter in my life. And I'm so excited that you're all here with me to experience it with me. Uh, while we were doing the podcast creation and like diving very deep into weekly <laughs> episodes here, I was writing the book, guys. Like, I was writing the book yeah. in the background of all that. So that's crazy. That's kind of where we're headed. We're going to kind of do a deep dive, like a behind-the-scenes episode where we can kind of just celebrate what this book is and what this book can be and what it's going to be for other people. And I know CA has her hands on it, so she can maybe reflect on some of the stuff that she, you know, got. Yes. Um, we're going to – this is going to be like an interview. We're going to – it's almost as if Jamie's my guest today, and I shall be interviewing <gasps> you. Um, I hope you're ready. Oh. These questions are going to come at you fast and furious. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I do feel like I want to, like, just uh, – this is – like. I want to know these things. And even though like I've been walking through a lot of this journey with you, now that you're at the culmination of it, I'm so interested to hear how you are going to like reflect and conceptualize on some of these questions that I want to ask you. And I know that our listeners are going to love to hear this stuff as well. So I'm just going to go ahead and start. We're going to start nice and broad, nice and simple, and just start with kind of like tell me the story behind this book. Like, where did it come from? Why did it come about? Why now? All of that. So the actual story behind the book is that I really wanted to create a book that was categorized almost by chapter of 
elements to people's lives. So I wanted one chapter on family, one chapter on partnerships, one chapter on friendships, one chapter on religion, one chapter on workplace. And I wanted to integrate the themes that came out of those elements and talk about how these harmful patterns weave in and out of every element of our lives. And what ended up happening was, you know, we started conceptualizing the book. They did really like the idea of the partner being the, you know, focal point. And probably a month in, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm finding enough passion about this. I kind of want to integrate other themes. I want to talk about family. I want to talk about friendships and bosses. And, and they basically, in so many words, were like, yeah, that's nice, but you're trying to shoot the moon. And that's a very, very lengthy book, basically. I mean, they were basically trying to be nice, but they're like, we really don't think we're going to take that much on, basically. So the editors kind of like redirected me and they they said, this book on partnerships is really what we have, you know, they did the research, you know, I was part of a publishing company. So they have done, they have all the market money in the world, right? So they're like, we've done the research and this is the type of book that people want right now. And you know what, after finishing it and after having the conversations that I've had with so many people about, you know, releasing this book, I, I have to agree with them. I mean, people do want the books um, around family systems and friends and workplaces. Uh, but I don't think we talk a lot about what it looks to break the cycle of a harmful relationship or toxic partners, because that's usually that tropey kind of thing that people find themselves in. They go, oh, well, look at who the common denominator is, right? And they they look at this like, let's just, you know, let's just be super stereotypical. Like, let's say there's this woman who started dating and their ex is really problematic and there's a lot of things going on and then they break up and then the next person is like 2.0 and then the next person is like 3.0 and it's like, it's almost like different variations of the same character with different names and different stories. And then someone is like, we all know Sherry, she's the common denominator. Like, is it really the other guy? Like, or is it the other girl? Like, you know, is it the other person? And to me, that honestly, that feeling of being called the common denominator and being feeling like you're trapped, that you keep finding these relationships that cycle you back in the same feeling of hopelessness and futility and what's the point why am I doing this clearly people aren't healthy they don't know how to communicate they don't know how to love me and what happens is that is part of the cycle and if we start talking about that cycle and we start untangling that cycle what's really cool is you can really reach people in all different phases of where they are either they didn't break up with their ex yet or well they obviously it's not an ex but they didn't break up with their partner yet and or they're on the verge of breaking up or they have broken up and they're so terrified that they're going to meet the next person as a 2.0 version of their ex and that that is one of the things that I think really motivated, I mean, it motivated me, but it really motivated the crafting of the story of, hey, we would love to hear more about what you have to say with, you know, family and friends and all this stuff. And let's focus on this right now. And honestly, if you guys know me, I do sometimes need someone to be like, 
that's great, Jamie. We know you have a lot of good ideas. And can you just focus for two seconds on one thing? And that's why I tell people the joke of like, yes, I could have self-published. People were like, oh, what, what led you to that journey, right? And I'm like, first of all, I didn't get sought out. This is like behind the scenes. People are like, oh, so did the publisher come to you? And I'm like, no, I literally went to the publisher. And some people wouldn't admit that because they'd be like, oh, I want people to think that I'm some high end. I'm like, no, I literally sought them out. And I was like, hey, this is what I'm looking to do. Like, are you looking to do this too? Like, what are you looking for? And it was a complete shot in the dark. Like I had no expectation that they were going to take me on and they did. And so once they took me on, you know, that's where the book kind of evolved to where it was today. Okay. So this is interesting. So when you first started conceptualizing it, the idea was much broader and then it had to get narrowed. So probably at the beginning, it didn't even have a name, right? The book Toxic Relationship Recovery, that wouldn't have been the title of what you would have named it with that broad of like content that you were originally going for most likely. So when, at what point did the title come about? Uh, The title was hard because I want to say, I'm trying to think of what one of the titles that I was brainstorming. I think I have a note in my iPhone about this. Probably. (laughs) I'm sure you do. I bet I can even find it. I remember that it eventually did, when we got to the title of part of it, it was kind of conceptualized down enough. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here I found it. Hold on. Healing After Harm. That was one of them. <laughs> I don't know if we love it. Like maybe we hate it. Whatever. That's fine. Break Up With Toxicity. I don't know if we love that. <laughs> Like there's some of these I'm like, oh, maybe that was, ooh, this one I really did like, but I think it was too vague. Okay. So you guys can like squash it if you want to, but this was one of the ones that I was brainstorming was one of my, one of my favorites was after them finding you. So after them, comma, finding you. And then I liked it, but then I read it too many times and I was like, it just looks like I'm saying after them finding you, like they found you out and they're seeking you out and they're going to seek you out and hurt you. And I'm like, well, that doesn't work. Like the the all crucial comma, if somebody (laughs) didn't see the comma, it would completely change the context. After them finding you. And you're like, oh my God, that's scary. Yeah, that one was. I also really like this one, losing them, finding you. Right? So really, if if I was gonna summarize something, that the title was actually kind of we kind of went more simplistic. We were like, we do want to work on recovery. Um, and then that whole word, whoo, this is a whole topic. The whole word of did we want to use the word toxic? Whew. Right? Like this is a whole talking point because when I've, and I think I've even said this on the podcast before, I've, I've said this on interviews, but I try to explain to people, listen, this is actually a really, really important talking point that I try to help people understand. I don't see the word toxic as a weapon. Many people do. They want to throw it out like a dagger and they want to be like, you're so toxic. Ah, you're so toxic. I hate you. Blah, blah, blah. Right. 
they want to throw it out like a dagger. And I go, if we can understand that toxic behavior or harmful behavior is an awareness, if I choose to not use it as a weapon and I'm using it as an awareness, then I can interact with my harmful behavior in a more accountable way because that's the exact thing that I get scared about. I go, if you don't call it actually harmful or toxic to a person, then you're excusing the type of behavior that you're also doing and you're telling yourself it's not that bad. It's not actually that harmful. And I go, exactly. That's what our partners were doing. That's what ex-partners do. Yes. And I think there's a huge, huge difference here between calling a person toxic and saying you as a person are toxic versus saying that behavior is toxic. The way you are speaking to me is toxic. This pattern that's happening is toxic. That is very, very different. And I think that helps the person, like the reader, as you said, like if I can separate that adjective from like, it's not describing me as a person. It's saying, hey, this particular behavior is toxic, meaning it harms the other person and also you in the process, believe it or not. Like toxic behaviors don't just harm the other person. It harms the whole relationship. So it's like, okay, now I can actually distance myself from the shame around that word. And I can just say, oh, okay, like I'm not toxic, but that choice that I'm making is something I need to seriously look at and figure out how to change my patterns of behavior because I don't want to harm people. So yes, that's, let me just say, okay, so I'm going to read this to you. It's from Tucker Reynolds. I found it on Facebook. Just because you're feelings are valid doesn't mean your behavior is. So your feelings about why you created that behavior are valid. And I'm going to say that if you're like, I had to do that because I had to protect myself. And I'm like, I understand that. Believe me, I get it. I've been that toxic partner. I've understood that I can be like, no, the reason I did that was because I had to protect myself or because I had to discover this part of me or I had to do this. Right. But my behavior can be harmful. And this is where if I'm talking from a place of my own recovery from being like a toxic partner, I sit there and I go, listen, if I can understand and call it by its name, that one our listeners should actually remember, call it by its name. So when I don't call it by its name and I go, I just had a hard day. What do you mean? I don't know. Like, sorry. Like, I just, I just, made it I don't know like it was just like kind of not that big of a deal right like what are you hearing you're hearing that I can't admit that my behavior is hurting other people so the word toxic in the actual name of this book the book title to me was a moment of me having to really evaluate I had to completely evaluate what the utility of using that word is And I really came to a sense of understanding that part of my own recovery was being able to claim that I really have hurt people. I have made decisions that have hurt people. And we know this, we know what this podcast is about. I can also explain the feelings behind that behavior were most likely from my trauma. And they were most likely from very aged, unprocessed emotion. And I can get to the point where I can acknowledge that. I can be like, oh, 
that was unprocessed trauma. That was unprocessed emotion. That was unprocessed feelings. And so my behavior followed suit. So if I dismiss that behavior, I'm not actually able to get to the level of healing I need to get to if I keep using flowery language. So I made a choice. I said, I'm not going to use flowery language because I think people hear me say that and they go, oh my God, Jamie, you're bullying yourself. I go, please don't insert the narrative for me. I'm not bullying myself. I'm holding myself accountable. I need to use the word harmful. I need to use the word toxic because if I don't use that word, I find myself slipping into rationalizing the type of behavior I'm doing. And I want to get deeper into my healing journey. And that's the way I'm going to do it. If I was booming myself, I would be deprecating myself. I'd be like, you're a piece of shit and you're terrible and blah, 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 blah. No, I'm just saying I'm acknowledging that what I just did was passive aggressive. It was harmful to you. It was a toxic trait that I don't want to keep exhibiting to you. I don't want to keep doing that. And I'm going to hold myself accountable and call it like it is. Absolutely. And I think that accountability piece is really the like the really key point here, because I think, as you said, if we don't use the correct language and call a behavior toxic or call a behavior harmful, then what's the impetus to change, right? If it can be justified away by saying, oh, well, because of my trauma, this and my emotional wounding that then why would you ever change? But if you call the behavior what it is and say, hey, this is harming the people in your life that you love, then you're going to say, oh, well, I don't want to harm the people in my life that I love. So what do I need to actually change? And then now you actually have motive behind it. But separating the those two, as you said, like the taking out the bully voice, that is that's just shame, right? And so I think there's a huge like lesson to be learned here and skill set to work on here of developing a sense of inner uh, like an inner sense of accountability and responsibility without shame. I think this is like we can we could we could probably do a whole episode deep dive as to why shame is so intricately woven into quote unquote bad behavior, right? Like think about a lot of the ways we were raised, especially if you were raised in a very like punitive household or system. Shame is a hundred percent linked to any time you did something quote unquote bad or wrong. Shame, 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 shame. And feel bad, feel bad, feel bad. You're a terrible person. And that, so there's this almost like hard wiring inside of us that says, well, if I did something bad, that means I'm bad. And because we want to avoid that feeling, Sometimes we'll throw the whole baby out with the bathwater and say, I'm not bad, so therefore nothing I do is bad. When the reality is, we got to find that middle ground of being able to say, you are not a bad person and you can still do actions that harm other people. And so how do we separate the behavior from the person and say, okay, we can look at these behaviors critically and develop a sense of responsibility and accountability inside of ourselves to move ourselves forward into healthier relationship patterns. We can do all of that without ever having to bully ourselves or shame ourselves. Both can happen, but it's just something that I don't think a lot of people have a ton of practice doing. Right. And and I like that you use the word practice because if you think about it, you have to practice 
the separation between joining shame and accountability in the same experience. Like if you can actually work on saying, I don't have to have shame. Shame can maybe get me to the point of realizing that it's not helpful. But I actually think people are like, no, shame can be, I don't want to say it's not a helpful emotion. It is a helpful emotion, but I think it, it's an easy stuck point emotion. Like it's an easy emotion you can get stuck in, right? Where like, if you, if you don't get beyond shame, then you're going to get stuck there and that's going to hinder you from maybe getting to a greater sense of accountability. It might hinder you from using the word harmful or toxic, right? Because you're too nervous. So you kind of dance around the word and you're like, yeah, that wasn't the best day for me, <laughs> right? And it's like, mm, make the words you're like, Truly think about the words that are coming out of your mouth and the way you describe your own behavior. And I'll tell you where you are on your healing journey. I'm being so serious. Like if you are using like, I'm going to skirt around the issue. I'm not going to use. And I'm like, I'm not asking you to bully yourself. I don't want you to bully yourself. But I do want you to realize that part of healing is using the right language. But if we're going back into the book, I want you to think about how we do this when we're enduring a toxic relationship. So like, yes, we have all of the personal accountability stuff, but we also do the same with our partner. So I'm going to use, I'm going to use this example of why language is so important here. All right. If you want to know anything about how passionate about this book I am, I'm telling you this the passion I have about this book is that I'm giving you language that most people never got. They didn't get this type of language. And when they have the language, they have the power to be able to shift their mindset because they're using the right type of ideology in order to like get to the point of healing they need to get to. So think about language for a second, okay? If my partner is described to people as, Oh yeah, he's just a little short tempered. Um, yeah, like he just is like that sometimes. Um, sorry, he's just a little irritable. Uh, he's not always like this, actually. Uh, we we have good days. We have good right. Immediately, my brain is like, I even hear the partner not being able to experience or not even experience. The word is more like express. Express the magnitude of what's going on, right? Like they just open, openly bullied you at a party and then they walk away and the, your friend's looking at you like WTF. And you're like, no, 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 like they're totally, they just, they're not always, they're just doing this sometimes. It's really, it's kind of like their weird quirky personality. Yeah, sometimes I'm the butt of the joke, but like I can handle it. I don't know, you know, just move on. It's fine. I don't want you stressing about it tonight. Let's just have a good time. What am I doing? I'm engaging in the same type of thing that I was saying that I was doing to myself. That if I don't use the right language for what just happened, now we are bypassing the opportunity to call into action the gravity of the situation. You just got openly bullied by someone who said they loved you. The gravity of that situation is super fucked up. It's messed up. But if I use flowery language and I and I try to, I play it off as humor. I play it off as their personality. I play it off as a bad day. And then your best friend goes, Jamie, but like it, it's, it's a, it seems to just be constantly a bad day for them though. Like I see a pattern. 
oh, well, I don't want you to worry about me. We're doing okay, right? So it's, and remember, this is their own trauma speaking. This is their protective trauma speaking. They are speaking from their own trauma because if they did have the language and they realized that they were being bullied in the light, in the gravity that they actually were getting harmed, right? So you were actually enduring with the full blow of what was happening. You would be like, what the heck? I got to get out of here, right? And some people do get to that point. But what's unfortunate is they have to spend years being bullied to finally get to this point of like, whoa, wait, 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 I've never used that term, you know, and they'll, they'll come, you know, they'll be like, oh, well, my friend said that my partner's a bully. Like, I've never looked at them like that. And then we go through the term of bullying. Remember when we did the parent episode, when I was like, your parents, your bully, like nobody uses that language for our parents, but it is the correct terminology for what's happening to these children. And that's a huge foundational trauma that tends to lead to the type of partnership where you endure that from a partner because you're like, oh, well, people who love me talk to me like that. Like your brain has normalized that. And so you find a way to justify it in an intimate partnership as well. So, I mean, that's just one of many factors that, you know, leads to that type of relationship dynamic and what you allow yourself to endure and how your thresholds are set and all of that. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about was kind of like the format of the book for people who might be interested in knowing like how the book's going to feel it, like reading as a textbooky. Is there a lot of like reflections? Is it broken up into bits and pieces and parts? How would you go ahead and maybe try to describe the format to the readers? So the book's format in the greater theme is there's a part one and a part two. And part one is the relationship that you had with them. So this would be the partner, the ex, maybe it's the, you know, maybe it's just like multiple people. Um, And then we have the second part, which is the relationship you have with yourself. And the first part is more... I would say language heavy, where we're establishing kind of the terms, the operational definitions of toxic relationships, right? We're defining the terms of what happens in the relationships, what it looks like. And then the second half of the book is is more of a call to action. It's more of a structure to help you heal the inner voice that you dialogue with. That's the relationship with yourself. It's the way you're talking to yourself after you endured a very harmful narrative, probably for years, over your psyche. And then you are untangling their voice from your voice. And that is what the second part of the book is. It's about healing that voice. It's about healing that journey onward, right? So, okay. And then some some of the greater, you know, descriptions uh, are, it doesn't read like a textbook. It very much is, it's sectioned off. Like CA described to me when we were talking, she told me, I mean, you can share like one of the things you loved about it. What were some of the things you loved about the format? I know. I love that. I like asked you about the format as if I didn't know, but I just wanted to hear you describe it in your own words. But for me, um, as an ADHD human being, um, well, first of all, I do want to talk briefly 
that you do have it available on audio as well. And I know that's also super helpful for a lot of neurodivergent people read in your own voice, which is so amazing. I love that so much. Um, but even if you weren't going to do the audiobook version of it as like an ADHD person, the book is like visually laid out very in a very digestible way. That's the word that I used because for me, I get so overwhelmed and almost never finish books. If I open it up and it's just like walls of text, that's just like paragraph after paragraph. I'm like, I don't know how to make myself read this. Um, but when it like you open it and it's like chunked up into like digestible pieces and like sections with like nice bold print at the top that's like this section's about blah blah you're like cool I know exactly what the segment's gonna be about that feels really good and then there are like reflection pieces at the end and you know to give you you could use it as like a journal prompt or even just like things to like toss around in your head while you're like thinking about that particular aspect of what you just read. So um, yeah, just like on a on a personal note, I do like that. And I didn't think it read very textbook heavy. It, it feels like listening to you talk, which is why I'm actually so happy that your audio book version is going to be in your actual voice. To me, that was, you know, really helpful to know that that was coming off the page in that way as well. It was coming off very like, oh, I just feel like I'm listening to Jamie talk about this stuff. So even when you are talking about the parts that are a little bit more, how do you want to say, like, you know, like educational, right? Like getting into the definitions of things, it still feels so digestible and accessible. It doesn't, it doesn't ever come off as like listening to a professor, like, giving a lecture in a hall. It just, the whole thing feels really relatable, really digestible and accessible. And so that that's probably how I would describe it. Yeah, exactly. So to your point, if you think about why I formatted it that way, one of the things that I, I did in the actual book was I created a lot of what we call case studies, which are basically just lived examples of what it feels like to be in the relationship and then what it feels like while you're trying to heal from the relationship. So both actually it's, it's throughout the entire book. There's examples of lived experiences, people's names and like, you know, they're just made up stories, but they're for you to see similar to this podcast, almost as if it was a role play. You could even probably look at and read it like a role play. And you're going to see examples of what it feels like to live in that relationship, but also to be experiencing the hardship that comes out while you're healing in a new relationship, right? So for people who are, you know, have questions about the format, we, yeah, like one of the main aims that we wanted to give the, the readers was this idea of, we want you to be seen and feel heard. And that was one of the best ways I think we were able to do that is that we were basically describing what it feels like to be in relationships through people's lived experiences in those examples. And so my hope is if you're reading the book, you can see yourself in one of those examples and then go from there because it's meant to be a talking point for learning. And you can take that example and learn specifically to what you went through. So who would you say would be the ideal audience to pick up this book and read it? Like who, who's it made for? Okay, this so obviously, <laughs> I would say primarily it is for the person who's endured 
the grunt of the toxic relationship behaviors like to them. And in the book, we kind of talk about like the perpetuator and the endure or tolerator, depending on like, you know, the wording that you see in the book. Because uh, think about how many people are tolerating behaviors like this. They're like, I can't, I mean, I tolerate it. I don't love it. I don't want to be in a relationship like this, but it's, it's what I tolerate every day. What can I tell you, CA? Right. And I would say it's definitely for that demographic, for the people who've endured a lot of that kind of, it's tired, yeah, part of the course, you're lying to me, I get it, right? And like, it's almost like the toxic behavior is so normed for them that once they start seeing it for what it is, yeah, you can wake the hell up like very fast, right? Because you're like, oh my God, I, I sat with that for 20 years. And I didn't know how bad it was until, you know, I, I saw someone put words to it, right? All right, so it's for them. And I would make a case that if you're on the edge of maybe you've endured so much trauma or you've endured so many harmful people in your life that you found yourself stuck in some of these behaviors. And like I tell people, like I found myself stuck in a lot of the behaviors that I talk about in the book. I did. And I'm not perfect to this day. I try as best as possible to not throw in some of these behaviors. And sometimes they are in, they do, they come out and it's my responsibility to acknowledge them. It's not my partner's responsibility to acknowledge them. It's my responsibility to acknowledge them. And so I tell people, if you're on the verge and you're like, hmm, I do want to be a better partner and maybe I don't have the language for it. Maybe I don't have the accountability yet, but I'm willing to learn and I really want to understand what what's happening in my brain. It is also for you. And people are like, F those guys, F those women, F those people, whatever. Like, I don't care about them. I'm like, no, those are the people that are going to make the most radical shift. Because if you can start realizing that the behaviors that you're showing up to the relationship with are actually almost creating destructive ripple effects you can change a lot of people's lives by you shifting your behavior because there are ripple effects of harmful behavior. There, there really is. There really is ripple effects. And yes, we are all responsible for our own healing, but I'm done hurting people. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want my trauma to continue to perpetuate more and more destruction. So if you are hearing this and you're like, I don't know, kind of sounds like me. This book, yeah, it's gonna push some buttons, I'm sure. <laughs> and I mean, hell, I think some of what I wrote pushed my own buttons. I was like, damn, like, <laughs> this is actually hard for me to read sometimes. And it's it's one of those things where it it, it speaks so raw like it does, I do not filter. That's one of the biggest feedbacks I've gotten about the book so far from people who've read it and from people who are like the lay people that aren't in the psych community. They're like, dude, you did not hold out any stops. You described really tricky situations and it's going to make some people uncomfortable. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but it's that idea of, you know, people are reading this book and they're like, whoa, you brought out the heavy hitters like you really did. And honestly, I did that for a reason because I'm done filtering. I'm so done filtering and doing like we talked about in the beginning. I'm done using like flowery language to describe things that are really, 
really harmful to people, right? There's an entire part of my book that it's right before the person breaks up. Like if you think of the trajectory of the book, we're pretending that these people are either together or they're like on the brink of breaking up and then something happens. It doesn't, I don't define who breaks up with who. It's just, there's a breakup, right? And in that moment, I don't filter my words. I talk about how dangerous it can be, like life-threatening. And I, I give very, very detailed examples of how some of these relationships are actually life-threatening. So reading this book, I say, yeah, I can teach you how to do boundaries. And if that boundary is possibly going to kill you, I need you to not do that boundary. And I, I, this is, you guys have heard me say that before. And it's because I'm very passionate about being practical of what's actually happening. And so when, remember, when you reach the extreme severity of what we would consider the the, the most toxic of the toxic, right? When it's getting so manipulative and so controlling where they're like, if I can't have you, no one can. Tell you right now, if you heard that, me working on boundaries with you, me working on boundaries with you is not the right call in that moment because I have to, as a clinician, keep you safe. And it's not, I, I need to rally the troops in the community it's not just about me. It's not just about me helping you. It's about everyone getting on board to make sure you can exit that toxic relationship alive. Okay. So this is why I actually try to even, I don't filter. I go, there are some people reading this book that have heard that. And if you have heard that, I need you to take this seriously. And I give this whole work down of like what, what would be the right like strategy and how we would approach it together. And honestly, I want more books like this. I wish I could read books that were this raw. If my yes, site like books radically ever describe some of the, like, see, I think about what we've gone through. If someone described to us like, harmful parenting techniques or harmful friend techniques or harmful boss techniques. And someone stopped filtering. Like, ideally it would be great if the friend could blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I don't want to hear some up in the clouds description of their behavior. I want to know what it looks like to endure it. I want to know what it looks like to experience it. And once I can hear you explain it, what it feels like feet on the ground, then I can feel seen then I can feel heard because you sitting there with your clinical language, like you guys know, I went to Harvard a, like a month ago. And one of the biggest problems that I said to all of the clinicians and researchers in Harvard, as I said, we are using the wrong language. We're using the wrong language. We're, we're sugarcoating it. We're flower. We're, we're using flowery language, heads in the clouds, we're sometimes using way too hyperclinical language where it actually goes over their head. So who's getting that? Who's helping? Who is that helping? It's not helping anyone to use like an inaccessible language for people. So yeah, the book is sometimes hitting you hard and it's kind of uh, it's kind of a product of what we've been doing in psychology for a very long time, which is we are talking over people and not to people. And I and this book is meant to talk directly to you, not over you, to you. Yeah, I love that. And I I mean, 
I do think there's huge, huge value in using language that is incredibly radically honest uh, about the realities of, you know, the how far to the extreme, like some of these situations can go. And I also think like the whole book isn't like that. If somebody's reading this, like, well, no, I'm not, not in a life threatening situation. Like that's, it's not just for people who are like at that level no, of relationship. No like it's, no. it touches on all, you know, variations and levels of toxicity and, and all of that, which is to be said that like, I feel like you like, okay, now I'm going to flip this question around. I'm going to answer the question. I asked you, who do you <laughs> think this book is for? Now I'm going to answer who I think this book is for. Because I think that, yes, what you said, and I'm going to take it further because I'm going to say that I don't, I, I think this book is for anybody who wants healthy relationships. So even if you feel like you're in a relationship that you don't want to leave, you're like, well, I wouldn't describe my relationship as toxic. Like, I don't always love the way we fight. And I don't know, like, there's some things that are not perfect, but like, by and large, like I love this person and and most of our relationship is great. Like then this book is also for you too, because that is, you know, how I would describe my relationship. If I'm going to get really personal, like I love my partner and I don't want to like, I don't think we need to, you know, separate our whole relationship. But does that mean I think we're perfect and we have every single part of our relationship, like perfectly, you know, down to an art? No, I think like everybody's relationships have something that they can be getting a little bit more, you know, like radically honest about and like looking at those patterns and finding ways to treat each other in a the healthiest way possible. And so I feel like it's for anybody that just wants to, you know, feel psychologically safe and emotionally safe within their relationship. So even if you're in a relationship right now that you're like, no, I, I want to stay in my relationship. Like this book couldn't possibly be for me. It might be like, you might read through it and go, wow, there is like a lot of information in here that maybe it even explains some of the past relationships that you've been in, or maybe it touches on some of the aspects of your current relationship that are sort of like, points of pain right now. And you're like, man, I really wish that part of my relationship could improve a little bit. Like genuinely there is, it's very likely that there's a lot of information in here that you will find useful. And I really like books like that, that feel, um, a high level of practicality. And that was the last thing I wanted to say about like the format of the book and the type of person that would enjoy reading it. If you are a person that likes reading books that are highly practical, where you feel like, oh, I can immediately start applying skills. As Jamie pointed out, the first half of the book is a little bit more like informational and, um, you know, kind of like giving a good like analysis and overview of the toxic relationship patterns and terminology that show up there. The second half of the book is practicality in a nutshell. It's all like we are going to deep dive into how to actually work on that relationship with self and work on how we show up to that relationship so that moving forward, whether it's in this relationship right now that you're in that you want to maintain moving forward and just maintain it in a healthier way. Or if you are ready to start new relationship dynamics, this is, you know, I want to show up in a better way. Like it's just chock full of like really practical steps and actual skills that you can build and start applying right away so that you're showing up to those relationships in the healthiest way possible that you would want to. 
ultimately the book actually leaves you feeling empowered. And that's the thing that I want anybody listening to this podcast to know anybody who's like interested in maybe picking this book up. It's not just some like, woe is me, sob story. Oh, I'm just in bad relationships all the time. And this is what it feels like. And this is why it's horrible. It's not that at all. Like, yes, it's going to make you feel seen and heard. And you're going to actually walk away feeling really educated and highly empowered to have healthier relationships moving forward, not only interpersonal relationships, but truly developing a very healthy foundational relationship with yourself so that you can be showing up to those interpersonal relationships in a really healthy way. Right. And that's, that's one of the things where when we end the book, what you're going to take away with is it's, it's really a story about you. It's a story about you. Right. And people are like, well, no, but we're talking about a relationship. But I'm like, no, it's really, truly about this journey of your traumas, the journey through the traumas and how you can reclaim yourself on the other side. And so I love that you said that the ending of the book really leaves the reader with this sense of integrity and worthiness. And so if I can get that out of a book and you guys can even get a shred of that from the book, I I did my job. That's really all I was looking to do. I really wanted to just give you guys applicable strategies, accessible strategies, and then to leave you empowered because you are worthy. You are incredibly valuable. Whatever your story is, if you were the one perpetuating, if you were the one enduring, regardless of where you fell on this spectrum, every single person is worthy of recovery. And that's what that's what I'm giving you in this book. So that's Woo. amazing. When's it when's it come out? Drop the date. Okay, so it's out September 5th, 2023. So depending on when you're listening to this, it may already be two days away from in your hands. So I really appreciate you guys. This has been a labor of love and, you know, here we go. Let's just, this is the beginning, really. This isn't, this isn't the end. This is the beginning of a really cool chapter in, in the, the story of our life. So I'm glad you guys are along for the journey. I appreciate every single one of you and yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Thanks guys. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollect itself and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this 
is how we do the work.